0: Okay, we, um, just by way of announcement as we go segue into the panel, Foots and Stupars and Brennan's, you guys can come on up and have a seat. We have six chairs up here for you guys. Uh, Meanwhile, just to let you know that at the end of the evening, just make sure you grab, uh, we have CDs for every family that will be available at your children's, out of the VBS classrooms when you pick up your kids. Um, They have the... Uh, songs that they're learning this week and you can put it in your cd player in your car and have everything they're learning be reinforced there's one that has the books of all the bible yeah you can be doing this down the freeway with them um that'd be awesome and um i think there's i even threw in a johnny cash song just because i love you guys you know so yeah i know it's the gift that keeps on giving there's eight or nine songs. So actually, it, I even threw in some songs from Easter. So if you guys remember the rap and all that stuff, it's on there. But the first four, anyways, have to do with this week. <laughs> there is relevance to them. Um, the one we did, Shout Out, that, that song's on there as well as Happy Day and, um, and some other ones. So enjoy those. Make sure you pick those up and uh, utilize them to reinforce. I started playing them uh, today when I was at the at our dinner table, and Davis came by, and he started doing all the hand motions. He's, I know the song, Dad, and it was cool. So uh, just play it, you know, enjoy it with them. That's there for you guys. Okay, so tonight, this a very simple approach. What we're going to do is take your questions that we had a good number of questions that were submitted in the front there, and I know for a fact just by going over all of them that they're, they're relevant, and if they're not relevant for where you're at with your kids right now, they will be in the future for sure. So we have a good solid hour to to cover some of these important questions. We are going to put them on the screen. And whether you are, um, you know, you have a newborn all the way up to you have high schoolers, we're going to hit it. And the way we're going to do it is we're going to take just chronological order. We're going to go along with that and say the first half we're going to devote towards the younger kids. And um, and then the last half go towards the older adolescents and, and up from there. So I will vouch to say or I will... Be another person to say that time goes so quick with your kids. If you have um, newborns and you have kids that are just real young and you're still trying to get over that sleep deprivation and that kind of thing, um, you just snap your fingers. We, we hear this from everyone. Don't you hear it from everyone? Time goes so fast. So even later on, we talk about the older kids. Believe you me, now's the time to take notes um, because I really, really am pleased to present these guys and gals to you as, uh, as our panel. And um, you guys know Pastor Brian and Sherry. They've been pastoring. Man, I, you came up here in, what, 1994? Three? 93? Been uh, leading Calvary Slow. Brian has for, gosh, we start out in his living room. His wife Sherry has been by him side faithfully the whole time and is um, our, our unpaid staff member for that whole time, I guess you could say, doing everything under the sun for women's ministry and everything from finances and whatnot. But they have two daughters they mentioned on Monday, Pastor Brian was talking about it. They have two daughters, Brianna and Brooke. Uh, Brianna's going to high school this year. Brooke's going to junior high. And uh, they're here to share input as well. We have Dave and Roxanne Foot, And uh, Dave and Roxanne have been involved since, what year would you say, 98 at Calvary Slow. Uh, of course, they help minister to our missionaries. They've done a m- myriad of things along the way, involved as we always have looked to them as great counselors uh, in regards to this church and in the faith and, and also in child-rearing because they have grown children. And how many girl, grandchildren do you have now? Two. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, they have a son who's been a missionary, Danny. He's been in Ukraine for years, and they just have lots of information and expertise to share with us. So we're happy to have you guys. And, of course, the Brennans who are here. Um, Sean, you know from... Basically doing everything under the sun for the church. I'm going to give this to you guys so you can take that off as you need to. Um, Sean helps out in a myriad of ways, has for years. He can build a lot of cool stuff. And he's a great dad to his children. And then his wife, Jocelyn, uh, of course, uh, organizes all of our children's ministry. She's the coordinator and has been for a while now. And we're very appreciative of all the work you guys collectively. I mean, it's a real partnership here because, Sean, you're serving... All the time, your wife and ultimately all of our kids. So, that's your panel. We can start out with a round of applause. I think that would be appropriate. So, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity to talk about practical stuff that just we all can glean from. And I pray that you would anoint the hearts the, of all of us here. That we'd be able to partake of the, the bounty, which is wisdom. You say wisdom in your word, God, is worth more than gold and rubies. And so we just, we're just excited for this time. I pray that you would give our panel members and myself just wisdom, uh, even divine wisdom in the moment to answer these questions well. Thank you for the parents assembled here. May you give them uh, just so many more um, opportunities just to have your grace poured out upon them as they parent in this wonderful, crazy journey that you've called us to. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, without further ado, we'll go ahead and throw the first question up. We're starting with the younger kids. Yes. Okay. Um, if there's one messages, I mean, we probably already have it on. Yeah, if not, probably not. All right, a little technical question there. Okay. So, when do you start disciplining? What are some practical ways of discipline? Let's start out with Sean and Jocelyn to tackle this important
1: question. How's it going, everybody? I'm microphone challenged, so if you can't hear me, just let me know. But uh, Well, I thought long and hard about this today. First thing I thought was how my wife got me into this, volunteered me for this. <laughs> And then after I got over that, I realized that (laughs) my wife's so awesome. But uh, after um, thinking about this, uh, I'm not going to try not to ramble on. But uh, I was just thinking today how wonderful it is having kids. That if you look in the Bible, it's always about blessings, you know. Having kids is a blessing. Every time kids are referred to, unless they've grown up and become a curse to their parents. But, you know, while they're kids, they're a blessing. So I realized for me... um, and you know I'm 40, so it's taken a while. But I just, you know, lately, last couple of years, realized that my kids are a blessing to me. That I want to bless them, and they're a blessing from God. They're like a gift that they've that God's given us as a, you know, as a couple. And I just I just want to share that that God really just touched me today. That um, to always look at my kids as a blessing, and then you know eventually we'll have grandkids, and how amazing that will be. But uh, back to the question though, because I could talk all night um so when do you start disciplining practical ways of discipline uh well i'll just I'll just give my perspective and then jocelyn will give hers um, I think uh you know once the kids started um probably two years old or so, then once they started realizing that they could you know they they could walk and they could disobey us it's kind of like- it's kind of like once they realized that they had a will and they could disobey, you know, when daddy said no, and they're like, oh, I'm going to do opposite of what daddy can says, and then that's kind of when the disciplining came in. That's, I would think, where when we start. And each kid is going to be different. Like you guys have heard all the last couple of two nights that every child is different. Um, we have three. We have a 14-year-old daughter, Hannah, and I th- think she might be an angel. I'm not sure, but no. No. Um, no, she's awesome. She and then Ryan is a good boy. He's twelve, and then we have a little girl, Michaela, that is uh, six. So each, all three of them have been a challenge in different ways. But, um, but I think the you know the sooner you start, I mean obviously I think two years, you know, when they get you know they get their their will and they're like you know strong-willed kid, but uh, the, the less you have to discipline them. Like the sooner you start and the more consistent you are, the, um, the less you'll you know as they're you know turn five, six, seven. You have to, you know, you stop disciplining them, but you don't have to discipline them in a, you know, corporal way. But um, Jocelyn's gonna talk about the spanking part. I'm not doing that. So, anyway, uh, but anyway, yeah. So we just, you know, I, I think that was that's my little nugget of advice is just, you know, starting early, being consistent, because you'll be rewarded as they get older. You won't have to discipline them as much, and then, you know, it becomes more. You know, they become a. You know, and also it's also part of, you know, um, the relationship that, like, Brian talked about the other night. Having that relationship with the discipline. But, anyway, John doesn't do the practical part of it. So, here you
2: go. Okay. I'm definitely the more detailed one. So, I had to write myself a little list about discipline. Um, one thing I will say, because Sean threw out this spanking word, and I'm talking to moms a lot being in the children's ministry... Is just that that's something you have to hear from the Lord about. You have to go to his word and decide between you and your husband as a team, as one unit, if that's something that you feel is right um, for your family. And you have to both be on board with that. You can't do that because someone else tells you to or because that's how you were raised or anything. You really have to feel a conviction from the Lord on that. Um, And I know that James Dobson says you shouldn't do it before there, too. But by the time they're two, you're like, really? (laughs) You're like, ready? And I think that's kind of a good marker because 18 months to 24 months, you're really seeing them exert their will and test the boundaries. Um, So I just wrote down some bullet points. I'm just going to go through them really fast, and then we'll go on to the next question. Um, I kind of called them the golden rules of disciplining, is not to discipline in anger but in love. Um, If you are angry, do not discipline. Even if you know they need to be disciplined, if you're angry, don't wait till you cool down. Um, You always want to do it in love, and you want to pray and check your heart first if what is the right discipline for that. Um, And if your husband is home, or or if you're the husband, if your wife is home, it's really good to um, touch base with them before you discipline and say, this is what happened, this is what I'm going to do, what do you think? You know, and decide together, make sure you're on the same page. Um, And then always restore fellowship afterwards, always... Um, hug, and love on them afterwards. Um, and if you do, you know, decide to spank, that I know I'm a really big fan of Dr. Dobson's, and he really says never to use your hand um, because it can teach them to hit, and it's, more, it's you hitting them instead of, you know, what the word calls the rod of correction. So um, the other thing is what we tried to do with our kids when they were little is always they know the rules for beforehand. Because a lot of discipline issues can be prevented. That's what I always tell my children's ministry people, is that if the kids are having fun and they're engaged in something and they're, you know, if, if, as parents, if they're fed and they're rested and they're loved, a lot of discipline issues can just be avoided by that and not feeding them sugar all the time. And you know, just a lot of it is just logical. Um, but not obviously, you know, they're little sinners, so they're even if they're fed and rested and loved, they're still going to um, get in trouble. But um, And then the only other thing I um, wrote here, one thing that always um, was spoke to me about, you know, setting those clear boundaries. Like, my kids always knew. Like, the minute they did something, they knew what the consequence was for that. And my um, reason for that, I think, is one time we heard... Dr. James Dobson say that um, when toddlers are testing the rules, they're kind of like a security guard going around to all the doors and turning the knob to make sure that everything's locked. And so in some ways, when kids are disobedient, they want to be disciplined. They want to know where the boundaries are. And, you know, for me personally, I grew up in a very free home. I had no rules. I got to do whatever I wanted, and that was awful. I did, that was not a good feeling, even you know, as a little kid, you want to feel like someone's in charge and there are rules and there are consequences if you break those rules because then you feel safe. Um, So, uh, yeah, that's practical ways. Um, We started grounding our kids when they were 10 and taking away privileges. We do do timeouts still with Michaela. Um, Yeah, I think just a lot of times talking to them. I'm speaking a lot to people who have younger kids we would always have the pep talk. We're real big still on pep talks, like before we go into the restaurant or before anything, like these are the rules. This is what's going to happen. This is what we expect. If you do, don't do that or you do this, then we're going back out to the car. If you're in the grocery store, I will leave the groceries and we will, <laughs> you know, we will go out to the car. So just making real uh, clear guidelines for them, what their expectations are.
0: That's great. That's great. Uh, kind of segues into the next question. By the way, you guys are wondering if you get to ask questions tonight. We're going to try and get it. There's so many good questions. We're trying to hit them quickly and address as many as we can. So if there's time afterwards, then we'll, then we'll uh, address some questions from you. Um, having already submitted them, let's go to the next one. We're having difficulty putting our child down for naps and bedtime. They scream and fight no matter how long we spend during our bedtime routine. How do we discipline or set boundaries around sleep? They're nearly two years old. Great question. Yeah, how about the Brendon's again?
2: Well, the first thing I thought of when I read this question is we actually went through something like that and poor April Garcia, she's not here, but she invited us to Tahoe and um, Michaela had to sleep in the same room with April and I (laughs) and she screamed and yelled every time I tried to put her down and um, kept us up pretty much for like a week. I think she kept everybody up and um, it was rough and um, when we got back, we were at just a regular well check appointment, you know, I didn't think she was sick at all. And we had been swimming in Tahoe the whole time and she had fluid that was stuck in her ear, but it wasn't bothering her when she was sitting up. But every time I tried to lay her down, her ears would hurt. So like my first thing when I thought of this, when I saw this question was just make sure it's nothing medical, make sure it's nothing, um, uh, environmental, like it's not too light or there's not a noise, you know, some weird noise that your house is making in the night or something like that. Um, and that it's not, um, the wrong bedtime, um, My kids stopped napping, Hannah and Ryan both. Michaela will still take a nap and she's six and a half, but Hannah and Ryan both stopped napping around two and a half. Um, And so naps got harder and harder and harder. And when I cut that out, bedtime got, you know, I lost the nap, but bedtime got a lot easier. Um, And the only other thing that has helped us that I could think of was um, a bath before bed, a big bedtime countdown, like 10 more minutes till bedtime, five more minutes till bedtime. One more minute till bedtime, especially with a two year old, they need that. Um, And then when they got older, it was trouble if you came out of your room after we put you to bed. You gotta draw the line somewhere, they'll keep you up forever. We had to do that with Michaela. Like, if you get up, if you come out of your room, you're in big trouble, so yeah.
1: Uh, My only thought is, uh, my input here is, um, again, every child's gonna be different, but from our experience, and it seems like, all three of our kids, we did the same thing. Because this is around two years old and younger. Um, it was kind of like, I don't know if this is the right analogy, but you know how the baby bird goes out of the nest to fly? But it's kind of opposite because you just keep the baby in the crib. Remember, we just keep her in the crib, let them scream their heads off, and they'd fall right to sleep. And we did it for three nights in a row, and it killed both of us. she was like, we want to you know, go get her. It was mostly Hannah that I have this memory of, because we lived, we had a one bed, or yeah, one bedroom apartment, and uh, and I, we she, we had to put her in the living room so that we could go to sleep, so she could have her own little place where she could scream her head off. And for three nights, she just screamed, wanted us, and then uh, she you know go right to sleep though, um, you know after she did her little screaming. And then the fourth night, she got up, we could hear her kind of whimper, and then. And then she went, she, she knew we weren't going to come and get her because it was bedtime, it was time to go to sleep. I mean, for those first three nights, our neighbors weren't too happy with us because it, it was the apartment complex, so everyone was awake with us. But, I mean, seriously, it might be a couple of hours of just constant screaming. And again, this is, you have to be able to, do, you know, it's up to you guys. We're just telling you how it worked for us. And but honestly, it was awesome after that because we could actually just go to sleep, and she'd fall right to sleep because she knew that we weren't going to come and get her. That was it. It was time for bed, and it's time to go to sleep. So that's my only input: is that tough love when they're when they're little. Um, but uh, it, it pays off in you know being able to sleep at night. Hope that helps. It's great. Sleep is good, isn't it? All right. Uh, moving
0: on. Next question. How do you produce immediate, and we stress immediate here, how do you produce immediate obedience in toddlers? I used to be against the counting method, five, four, three, two, one, but I've recently tried it and it seems to work, help, exclamation point. <laughs> Dave and Roxanne, you have something to share on that issue?
3: Okay, yeah, we do, I think. Um, first of all, if you know me, if you've come to any of my community groups, you know I always start from a larger principle and then get down to the practical. Okay. So, uh, I'm going to do that tonight, but try and be brief because I'm a great believer in the principle that if you understand the big principle, the big picture, the, the foundational scriptural understanding of who you are, who God is, how he works whatever the, the situation is, that if you understand that as it applies to parenting or in marriage, that the Holy spirit is great at giving you practical inspiration in the moment. I I really believe that because every moment is a new challenge. Every moment in our relationship as we grow older and learn more and move on to seasons of life is, is new. And it's the same with your kids. As soon as you figure them out, they're onto the next stage and, you know, you have to go back to some book and figure out what's going on. So the, 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 the large principle here, again, I want to, I want to really emphasize that though. I really believe that if you get a big principle that God reveals to you from the word, that the Holy Spirit is great at giving you inspiration in practical terms to solve an immediate problem. Uh, or, um, you could just listen to panels like this too. It's just good. So th- this idea of immediate obedience, there's two two big principles. One is that if you have a very compliant kid or you may have a very wild kid, I don't think it necessarily means you're doing something right or you're doing something wrong. I think kids, as, as um, the Brennans just said, are all very different. You can have different siblings, different children in your family that are very different and you have to invent new ways of dealing with them. So. The first big principle is, is that every kid really is different, and you're not going to be able to find the magic formula that works for every one of your kids, probably. So understand that every kid is different. The other thing that I think is really key to understand is that, especially when you're talking about toddlers, is to, is to try and learn read, and read. I think there are good resources out there to explain to you the development of your child's brain. Little boys' brains are different than little girls' brains. We know that chemically from science. And um, to understand what they're able to, to comprehend and deal with when their brain development is really important because you can be expecting way too much for your child, and you'll never get it until they're ready. So that's a big principle. And I think in terms of practical terms, I'm going to leave that to the Holy Spirit, or maybe my wife has something to add.
4: Well, um this, this uh, question struck us because we have two two-year-old grandchildren right now that are very different and we have a puppy that's like <laughs> a two-year-old that uh, doesn't mind either. And I've been taking the puppy to this uh, gentle touch training class and I wish I would have done that before I had kids. I'm like, it's revolutionized my whole approach to child raising. And one of the things they said is that, like what David was saying with the brain development, is they just don't get it. When they see a cat over there, they're going to chase that cat until they're about maybe two years old and they're, then they think, oh, wait, you're calling me. Maybe I won't. And I had a, um, a really good example with my two-year-old granddaughter today. I was watching her. And a friend came over and we're talking and so she's wanting attention so I'll put on, you know, video. You watch Kipper for a while. And next thing I know she's underneath the computer and I'm like, oh, what's she doing under the computer? Oh, that little red light on the power switch is so fun. I'm going to switch that off. Now she knows she's not supposed to do that. But whose problem was that? Whose fault was that? I was talking. You know, I was busy and I wasn't heading her off and paying attention to her. And I think 90% of discipline problems are the mom or the dad are preoccupied with something else when they're little, you know. And um, that, If we look at ourselves, you know, what kind of environment are we setting to promote obedience, to promote authority um, versus, okay, you just mind me. Like when um, our kids were little, I feel like I had the Caesar Milan approach where grab them by the neck and you're going to mind, you know. And that was kind of like... (laughs) It was kind of like the approach of our generation, like these kids have to mind. I say it, they better mind. Well, who says they have to have uh, immediate obedience like that? I mean, I just, I don't think that's God's approach. I don't know really where that came from. I I feel like when the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go, that's, Understanding the child's bent, what the God given um, personality and traits that this child has, and work with them to mold them in a gentle and a positive way, versus, you gotta mind because I'm the boss. So that's what um, I would say to um, work towards rewarding good behavior more than disciplining in the sense of punishing bad behavior. I think if you look at discipline as also a positive, then you will spend a lot more time rewarding the good behavior and ward off having to handle the bad behavior. So. Oh, that's
0: wonderful. Dave, did you have a little... No.
5: Okay. Yeah. I got something to say. Um, <clears throat> The word disciple comes out of the word discipline. And so it's very positive. The point of discipline is to train, disciple, you know, raise up. Um, and I think sometimes you know, we do live in a culture that, in a lot of ways, is not super kid-friendly. I mean, we live on the Central Coast. In a lot of ways, it's more kid-friendly than, say, Orange County or other places you might go, L.A., or whatever. But still, that we live in an environment where when you go to a restaurant and your kid makes any whimper, people freak. They look at you, and they're just like, you're a horrible parent. Can you get that kid to quiet? Because it's annoying us. And that's the culture we live in. And so I think that pressure kind of trickles down to us where we want to say something or snap our fingers or give a look and expect that, quote, unquote, immediate obedience. You See what I'm saying? So I, I, I totally agree with what Roxanne is saying is that You know, yes, God wants our obedience, but God's really patient, too. And so I think the goal is to really try to train kids to be obedient, you know, to recognize an authority structure, and that's, again, part of the discipleship process of helping them to recognize that as created beings, we're all under an authority structure, that as parents, we're under the authority structure of God, and as kids they're under the authority structure called mom and dad, who are also under the authority structure of a higher reality of God. Does that make sense? So I I, I think it's important to just, you know, realize this concept of immediate obedience. Snap my fingers, tell the kid to be quiet, because I I feel all these eyes looking at me, you know, because there's too much noise going on, or or because maybe my... um, respect level has gone down because I said something, they didn't respond immediately. I think you just got to think about the word immediate and, but work towards a goal of authority structure. And that comes through discipline, which is really discipleship.
6: And when they're little, It's really about consistency too. That's going to be super important for when you're getting them to obey, you have to be staying on top of it and doing the same thing every time so that they don't get away with something once, and then the next time you're super firm and expect them to obey. And it's hard. It's tough work, but it's really all about consistency. And as they get older, you do expect more out of them. You're going to expect more out of a 10- or 12-year-old than you are a 2-year-old because they should be able to. You know, they're going to respond quicker, obey quicker, and that's all out of respect for their parents as well. I think that's a big thing.
0: And uh, Dave, when you were talking about, you know, the Holy Spirit being faithful, um, I think with Wendy and I, it's been a lot of, man, this isn't working. (laughs) (laughs) What we're doing is not working, and you can do that indefinitely, what's not working, right, just by virtue of that's what you do, you know. Get back here, you know, and they don't come, get back here, you know, get back here. And you're like doing that all day long, and it never occurs to me, this isn't working, Maybe, there's, maybe the Holy Spirit wants a different technique to be used or maybe I just don't understand my child and Lord please give me wisdom in that especially when you have different children and you, what used to work you know well because you had a super obedient child maybe doesn't work with the second or third you're left with okay well how long do I do this before I start asking the Lord for um, you know direction and such so next question I have a two year old who loves his rhyming Jesus book is there a complete children's Bible you could recommend for really young ones? His current, his current one is only has only select passages.
2: Um, this question um, kind of sparked an idea to have a uh, recommended book list, which we printed out and um, we will hand out.
0: Oh, great. Thanks, Kim. Yeah,
2: we'll hand, we can hand them out now. Um, there is a rhyming Bible. I don't know who asked that question, but there is a rhyming Bible. It obviously doesn't cover the entire Bible, but we use it a lot in the toddler room, and it um, it's really cute, and kids love rhyming. They just get, like, mesmerized by it. So there, it's pretty thick, too. There's quite a few stories in there, um, if that's not the one you already have. But we put together this list, and hopefully—and I love to talk about books, and I love children's books, and so if you if anyone wants to ask me later more questions about— Different books. You can um, let me know. I did want to say one thing about the toddler and the um, immediate obedience. There are times when you need a toddler to obey immediately, and so we usually try to have a signal word that, like, if they're running out in the street or about to touch a hot stove, was danger, 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 and then they just freeze in their tracks. Like that meant you have to freeze right where you are. So that's there are times <laughs> that you do want them to, you know, um, listen right away. So it's good to have like a code word for that.
0: I'd be tempted to use it every time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it we can go ahead
0: offended. and pass those out, Kim, if you would. That'd be great. So this reading list that we've compiled um, is covers all ages. And, and so you'll see there's quite a few reading, um, a few sources of reading material there. But it does cover all ages. Great. Making uh, good progress through some of these. Here's, an, here's a fun one. This is what we can... I'll relate to this next question. What are some practical ways to have fun with your kids on a low budget? How can you have mommy times away plus date nights on low budgets? So, especially in this day and age, anyone care to Stu Pars like to address that one?
5: Yeah. Um, you know, I'll start from just kind of a bigger principle that I was I wanted to share Monday when I when I spoke, but I, I forgot. Um, I really approach. Anything I do with my kids from an angle of memories. It struck me about, I don't know, six years ago as I was kind of sort of reminiscing back on on my childhood. And and I had an awesome dad. My parents divorced, but I lived with my dad. And my dad was just a fantastic guy and uh, loved us. um, He was just a good, good parent. And I was kind of going back in my mind, thinking about all these memories I had. And I was talking with Sherry about it. And she was like, I don't have any memories at all. Never did anything with my dad. Ever. And I was like, wow, that's horrible. That's a bummer. Um, and it just it, it kind of planted this thought in my mind of I want to sort of reverse engineer. I want to look into the future again, like I said, Monday, and just say, what memories do I want my, want my kids to have? And sort of move backwards from that. And the thing that I realized for me personally, this is my personal experience, is what laid the most memories for me in my life really revolved around no money. I mean, they were just things I did with my dad. You know, things that we did just hanging out. You know, whether it be just him taking me to the hardware store um, and just hanging out. Or him going out in the garage um, and just doing like some sort of something with me. I don't even, you know, just messing around out in the garage. um, Mowing the lawn with my dad. I mean, those are memories I had. Um, Going to the beach, um, spending time. Things like go to the library. I mean, those are things that for me personally, Laid some really great memories, making dinner with my dad. Um, all of these were really great memories for me, and I sort of take that same approach with my kids. So, um, a lot of the stuff that we do really doesn't have to do anything with money. I mean, we don't have a lot of it anyhow. So, we—I mean—we're we, not going to Disneyland. We're not. You know, flying across country, doing stuff like that, or you know, going to Boomers. I mean, that's that's a thirty dollar trip for us. I mean, we just we just don't have that type of resources to do that. So, we we approach it from an angle of just saying, what what can we do? So a lot of times we'll go to the Bob Jones Trail. We'll walk that a lot, or ride our bikes doing that. Obviously, costs nothing. And um, or sometimes we'll go downtown. We'll just go for a walk, like with Brianna. We'll go hang out and just walk downtown, she, downtown slow. I mean, she, I was telling something the other day, you know, Forever 21, she, she loves that. I hate it. Um, so we'll walk through there and I'll get thumping in my head and then, you know, just ask God to remove that later. <laughs> but they're good memories for her. Um, so yeah, a lot of it is just really trying to be creative and think about things that I can do. A really cheap, inexpensive thing is we'll, we'll just go to yogurt. Um, I mean I, I think for our whole family to go to yogurt I, I mean mine normally costs the most but uh, we go to these places where you weigh it you know and uh, for our whole family it's like 10 bucks I mean it's pretty cheap I'll, I'll throw out one more thing I'm going to give a little uh, advice For we go to Dell's alright I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to tell you our trick alright so um, okay Sarah's here where's Sarah at okay her husband's part of Dell's. All right, so here's what we do. I'll tell you what we do. We go out as a family, and we... <laughs> okay, I'll just be straight up front. This is a disclaimer. Just say it, no, dude. I'm gonna just tell you. give us your tip. We're tips. super cheap Talk when good. we go out to eat. Okay, we. I mean, we. for us... But we have girls. We don't have boys. Yeah, we, yeah, exactly. It doesn't
2: work for the Brandon family at all.
5: Yeah, this probably won't work for some of you, but I got all girls. No, I'll tell you. So we just get like a salad, and we eat the bread rolls, and we leave a really, na- really nice tip, but we get out of there for like... Twelve bucks, you know, no. yeah, we do no, we don't. <laughs> fifteen bucks, whatever it 's super cheap, whatever it is, so you know we, we look for really cheap ways to just plant memories in their head, because to me, I look at it this way, the last thing i 'd say is this, so even if it 's like fifteen bucks, twenty bucks, to me, twenty dollars to plant a memory for the rest of their life it 's worth it, you know what i 'm saying, when you think about it this way, any money you spend, any investment you spend. It's, it's just a small investment. You're paying for a memory. That's the way I look at it. You're paying for a memory that they'll never forget.
6: I do usually pay the bill. Um, but we have. We do live. We have learned to do a budget really well. And we have learned what restaurants we can go to and feed the family for about $20, which is pretty impressive. But, again, we do have girls. And so that's not going to work for everybody. Um, but just like Brian said, just and, – and your kids are going to be different. We've had to realize that as far as the date time, we really try and do that on a regular basis and ask them what they want to do. And we have one that would be more than happy to just stay home, snuggle on the couch, read a book with them, watch a movie, make something, bake something together. And then we've got one that wants out of the house, take me somewhere, go for a walk, you know, go do something – Um, But you can definitely learn to be creative, and there's a lot we want to say, but I know we're running out of time, so feel free if you have more, want to talk more, whoever asked these particular questions, each one, you can come up and ask us afterwards, Um, and I've got lots of practical things, you know, that you can do, and I was unsure about that question if it was the second part, um, mom and dad dates, or mommy getaway time, I wasn't real clear on what the question was, so feel free to come and
2: talk to us. I think it's both mommy times away and
6: babies. Yeah. So like mommy getaways, you gotta be creative with that one. I don't know. Leave the kids at home with the dad and go down to the beach or wherever is your refuge place. And date times you gotta be creative as well. One of Brian and I's favorite things is to go to Trader Joe's and get something to eat and go down to the beach and eat and take a walk. And um, you we got all kinds of ideas for low budget dates, so you.
2: Yeah.
3: I would, can I throw one more thing in and there is it is really expensive to have a babysitter, and really, one of the things about biblically caring for one another would be among your friends and peers is to just be sensitive and say i 'll watch your kids, you guys need to get away and do it and it's just it 's part of what you do, you know friend to friend, and I would really encourage you to make that part of your service one to another because everybody would benefit in the long run to get away and do that.
0: Great. We have three boys and I got really bummed when I got old enough to eat their own dinner all the way through so I couldn't have their leftovers anymore. (laughs) My youngest eats more than any of us. So I was like, ah, great. I don't have any leftovers to eat anymore. Okay. Next question. It's a real neat one. How do you have family devotional time? Let's get to the nitty gritty. Do you all meet, worship, pray, read, have church? Um, every day or a few times a week, what does it look like, and how do kids participate when they're preschool age?
1: I think uh, that's our question. Um, but real quick, back on the cheap eating, one, <laughs> one trick I found was uh, McClintock's. If you go in the garbage can at the end of the night. Oh. <laughs> No, actually, really, McClintock's kids. Is do that eat your steak. date or is that your family? Time? No, that's a, <laughs> Okay. Danger. Oh, danger. Just, no, kids do get to eat free steak in McClintocks. So you have to figure uh-huh. out how to. You know, anyway, no sides, yeah, but. no sides, but. Um, and joking about the garbage. That's, don't anybody try that at home. We'll edit it well, out. No, it's because the raccoons will bite you because the raccoons <laughs> are in there. Oh, um, I'm sorry. Okay, so this next question, um, you know, when this, when Jocelyn uh, presented me with this question, it was interesting. I immediately thought of my childhood, and not, um, my parents were great, but, you know, they were kind of little hands off, and, um, you know, we, they weren't, I wasn't a Christian growing up as a kid, but uh, but I had a friend down the street. His name was Rob Four, and uh, his whole, his family was Christian. His dad was uh um Just a very godly man. Uh, They didn't have television, so that probably helped them to... That was a good influence on me. We didn't sit and watch TV. We always did sports and stuff. But I remember dinner times there. And it's kind of interesting. I don't... Talking about memories, I don't have that many memories as a kid. But I remember dinner times because we'd all sit down at the table for dinner. And um, Rob, Mr. Four, Rob's dad... Had this family Bible on a little pedestal right next to him at the head of the table, and I know it's kind of like a uh, little house in a prairie style, but I mean it was to, it impressed me quite a bit like he had the Bible you know already open to the page where they'd left off the night before, and uh I remember sitting down we prayed, and I thought that was weird i didn't you know because i didn't we didn't do that at my house and um and then uh, we ate, and then after eating he would he would go, okay, where are we at? And he he would read the Bible all the way through in about a year or so. But and um, so you know, I caught a little bit of it whenever I go over to eat dinner. But so it's interesting that you know this. So I remember, I took that with me for the rest of my life, thinking how cool that was. That's you know where I learned some of my early Bible stories, was just from my neighbor's house as a, as a little kid. As a friend came over for dinner, and um, so we've kind of adopted that in a sense that we you know was obviously. Um, it's not practical every single night of the week to sit down and eat dinner as a family. But I'll tell you what, that those are memories our kids will have for the rest of their life is sitting down as a family eating dinner. And if you can, as a dad, if you guys' dads can, well, you know, as parents, but, you know, I think the dad has to take the lead to say, we're going to have dinner tonight as a family in the table. You know, help your wife cook, whatever it has to be, but just sit down and have dinner together as a family because that, for us, is where we come together, we talk about our day, but... Um, most importantly, you know, we, there's times where we just read a Bible verse and then talk about the Bible verse. And lately we have this book, you know, you can go to the parable, there's tons of like, you know, how parents teach kids about Jesus books. And, uh, but, you know, like they have these questions, like we have this book of questions that say, you, you know, there's a question for, for your um, preschool age or kindergarten preschool age kid, a question for your elementary school kid, a question for your high school kid, and then a question for the parents. And it's, you know, it's a biblically-based question. That, and then the kids, Michaela loves it. She's like, question time, question time. And, you know, for the little girl, it's like, um, you know, how do you think the world was made? Or, you know, just, you know, questions to get them to think. And then we'd all start talking about it. And um, so that's something that, you know, that that I would just share with you guys is that for us is family time at dinner. Um, and that's the best time because they're eating. You got their attention before you cl- even clear the plates and worry about the dishes. Just talk about Jesus and talk about your day. But you know, for us, there's like these books that you just read. It's simple because the question's already there. You just read the question and you just have fun with it. But just like the last two nights, as Brian and uh, tell us, Pastor Tullis was talking about, just make it fun too. Make it fun so the kids want to be want to be part of it. But that's a practical way that that I, uh, that we that we do it. But
2: I was just going to say that that book was only like $5, and we use it every night. And it ma- I think what's good about it is that there's a question for each age level, and I kind of feel like whoever asked this question was kind of getting at that because if you have – it's hard to get the little kids to participate, but then if you're focusing on them, then you lose the big kids. And so um, some of those books are really good. And then they feel like they have the floor because it's like this is your question, and they get to answer. And then the siblings and the parents are all listening – and so everyone feels like they've gotten to have their have their say. Um, I know another thing that um, we talked... Brian talked a little bit about this was we have found that there are those teachable moments before bed too. And that's not really a family devotion, but that's um, a time where you, it's just one-on-one time and they're a little groggy and just... It's just special time. And so we try to even though, you know, they'd probably be embarrassed if we said, if they knew we were saying this, but, you know, we still tuck them in, like, we have teenagers, we still, we still pray with them, and t- it's not tucking them in, it's just h- hanging out with them for a few minutes before bed, and um, I think that they really look forward to that time, and I'm going to be sad when they're like, okay, you can stop tucking me in now, um, Oh, well, there was something else I was going to say. What was it? Oh, um, another thing that's good is to read a proverb. There's 31 proverbs, so that's like an easy way. We all have a Bible. We can just read one a day, and it's short and quick, and you can even discuss it with a preschooler. Um, And then the other thing was... Are you covering these up on purpose? Sorry. (laughs) Oh, I I have to say the fridge doors, right? I know you're tired of hearing me say that. (laughs) But... I'm giving you one each week, and it does work with a preschooler all the way up through a fifth grader, and it's what they've learned about on Sunday, so they should have something to talk about. There's a verse on there, there's a Bible passage, um, there's something called the bottom line, which means, like, the main thing they were supposed to learn on Sunday. Um, So really utilize those. Um, They're not just, um, you know, junk mail. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the other thing I was going to say is um, when they're really little and it's, you know, a little too hard to start actually a family devotion yet, like if you have a newborn and maybe a two-year-old or something, if they see you reading your Bible, um, they will copy you. They will go, I mean, I just can remember, you know, my kids going and getting their Bible and they say, I'm, I'm having my quiet time too, and they're like holding it upside down. You know, they don't even know how to read or hold it yet, but they, that is like the beginning. That's um, where you start. So, yeah, I think... Just having the goal of trying to do it when you can it 's not going to happen every day and um, and I, I think wives don't put all the pressure on your husband saying, well you 're supposed to have family devotions because then it you know it might not happen as often as like we heard last night if you do it if you look at it as a team effort and you do it together, and you know you say, "You make the time for it, wife you say." I've got dinner on the table. I've got, I've made time in the schedule. And you say, I got this book even, or here's the Bible. And, you know, help, help each other, um, have that goal and help each other to make time for it. I think is working together is really important.
5: Um, a couple quick thoughts that I have as well, definitely around the dinner table. And we will oftentimes, you know, have our, our, one of our kids pray, like I said, the other night, and then I'll pray after that. And, we try to, you know, pray for... You know, like during Christmas time, we get Christmas cards. And a lot of times what we'll try to do even months after that, we pray for the people who send us Christmas cards. You know, just pray for our family or... So just pick one each night from the stack and pray for that. Yeah. She said we... Uh, I don't know if you guys... Did you guys all hear that? she pick, We pick one from the stack and just pray for the family that, that we have. And we just pray as a family for them. You know, just kind of to really, we want to help our kids develop just an understanding of, of why we pray. And as we pray as a family and things, things like that, um, you, you know, some of the missionary newsletters that we have, we, we, we just try to be purposeful in praying for people like that. We pray for our church, you know, we pray for people going through different things in our fellowship and beyond and different missionaries and Bible time. Um, a lot of times that just happens around the table. So I would say that there's... Um, strategic times and then I would say that there's more um, just everyday moments and the strategic times I would say definitely happen for us more so around the dinner table um, where we do talk about you know just passages of scripture that we're studying that we're learning or um, after we did the spiritual warfare thing here on Sunday mornings I, we were teaching my kids that so usually on one of the nights where we would have family dinner we would just talk about that and talk about you know my kids are obviously older and talk about spiritual warfare, but um, I would even go back even a little further. When kids were starting to to read, we wanted at a very young age to help them to incorporate reading into their typical life, like reading the Bible. And so we would have them read like a couple of verses, like I don't know how many summers ago it was that we started this, but during the summer, we got them you know, a little devote, or, or um, what do you call it, journal. And we wanted them to just kind of decorate it, make it their own, make it something very special that their own, that they can just write anything in. So we had them, you know, read a scripture a, a day and then write either their favorite verse that they read in that passage or write a summary of the chapter that they read and, um, in their journal. So it's their journal, it's, it's their personal um, in interaction with God, and then we would talk about it as a family. We would go over what they talked about. So trying to incorporate family devotions sort of in a, as a leg of what they're studying and learning. Again, this is at a young age when they're learning how to read um, and just kind of incorporating that. So the the everyday type stuff, honestly, um, we just try to incorporate God into everything that we do. I mean, I'll, we'll watch movies, and I'll pause movies. So I... We, you know, some people, you know, if they heard some of the movies we watched, they'd be like, we're kidding. You watch that with your kids? And uh, yeah, I do. I, because I know one of these days my kids are going to go out and watch movies without me there. I'd rather them watch them with me there so I can be the commentator. And we'll pause the movies and we'll talk, we'll talk about them. We'll talk about, we'll put a, a God lens, you know, a gospel lens over what we're watching. And we'll talk about that. And I'll, I'll, I'll just straight up say, look, you know, Lion King is evil. It's, it's, it's just, it teaches you pantheism and the belief is that God is in everything. So as much as we, you know, like Simba and we're rooting for him, hopefully he's going to be a good lion one day. But, um, the belief that God is in everything is just, it's false. It's a false gospel, false religion. So let's keep watching the show and have fun, you know? And I, I mean, we just, I, I do that. I, I, we do commentary through it and, and it's, it's just part of helping them to discern, watching stuff so our goal is to not isolate them from culture our goal is to try to help them understand culture and interpret culture with the gospel lens that's what so that's part of like i said um, devotional teaching them to just see god through everything
0: cool okay well we made it through the questions of the early years let's move on into the adolescence this is the segue into that time what book devotional would you suggest for purity for boys in age? Um, I I kind of grabbed that one, and it's actually related to it. Two to, uh, to ahead, if you could go there, and we'll just kind of combine them. And that is, what age should you have the sex talk? Is it different with boys and girls? And so, because they're both the same thing, I think um, I'd, I'd like to address... Just having gone through this with my oldest, um, Mitchell's going to be 14, and uh, one of the amazing f- books that I just got off the shelf, uh, really, fortunately, God-given book that really helped me frame this whole thing um, and how I would approach it with Mitch was uh, Preparing for Adolescence. Great, great book. It's actually, Dobson wrote it. It's on the book list, I think. He wrote it for teens, two teens, so or pre-adolescent, pre-publessed. Um, those those kids, boys and girls, and the first few chapters were very very helpful when we did end up having that talk with my oldest, and that is um, addressing a bigger picture. Talk about principle, like you were saying earlier, uh, Dave. It gave me a backdrop by which I could talk about it, which was every. There's a few things true for everyone who goes through puberty and grows up, you know, in their high school years and whatnot. One is that you're insecure. Uh, two is that it, everything's changing. And three is that you have an opportunity to set yourself right in how you think about yourself because you know God loves you and made you go through this. Everyone does. But also you can be a vessel to other kids that are feeling insecure and awkward and those things. So what the sex talk, and, and as far as the devotional for kids, I think the Bible and, and, uh, and the book of Proverbs is all about guys in purity. That book um, is amazing in its chapters of Solomon describing this whole scene of if you just go with the culture, it'll it'll it could cost you your life. And it's an amazing backdrop by which you can have these discussions with your boys. But one of the things that that other book, the um, preparing for adolescence, did was um, Wendy kept actually nudging me. She's like, "You got to talk to Mitch. You got to talk to Mitch." You know, we knew. His body was changing, and, and she was nudging me, and I was like, I'm not talking to Mitch. What are you talking about? I'm not going to do that. That's awkward. I remember being a boy, and there's no way I want my dad to talk to me about such subjects. I'm not going to make him feel awkward. I was half joking, but I was really serious. I didn't want to have it. And uh, so anyways, so I'm like, oh, great. What am I going to do? Okay, Lord, you know, lead me. So we ended up going to a basketball game. It was perfect how it, if you guys, I was nervous, Okay. And I, first of all, I wasn't used to talking about such subjects with my son. He's my oldest. I haven't done this before, and so we—he got in the car, and I'm like, "We're gonna go," and I'm all windy. You need to pray because I don't know what I'm gonna say. But I have at least I read this book, and I think this book's gonna help me <laughs> get in the specifics after the principle. So, anyways, to make a long story short. We we got in the car on the way of the game, and we I just said Mitchell. I want you to know what's going to happen with your body and the temptations that come with that. And um, and so we just talked about the physical changes that he was going to have. And I know with girls, since we don't have daughters, you know, moms, you may uh, have the similar talk with them. But for, for Mitchell, it was amazing. Um, something amazing happened because at the end of the night, let me give you the. We, we drove the game, we talked all the way there, we had a good guy break, we got to watch part of the game. <laughs> like, phew, got through that, at least initial awkwardness, got to the game, totally got to watch sports for, you know, hour, had a half time, got some to eat, second half, and then we got back in the car, and I, and I just immediately said, okay, let's finish this talk. So on the way home, we finished up, and you know, the one thing, just encourage you folks, as far as wisdom that you need, your kids are amazing in, in the receptivity as you pray for God's wisdom in these things. Mitchell said at the end of that time, never forget it, he goes, Dad, so you mean that's why the virgin birth is a miracle? <laughs> <I'm> like, what? <laughs> yes, Mitchell, that's exactly why. Never before has there been a birth that didn't involve the sperm and the egg coming together. He made that connection because of the talk. And I'm like, Okay, this is working, you know. Praise be the Lord. I, I went to Wendy and said, It happened and it worked good, and here's what he said. Phew! <laughs> I'm still sweating. I can feel my palms getting sweaty. Anyway, I say all that just to say that um, as nervous as you may be about bringing up those subjects, is like exactly what you're saying, Brian. I'd, be, I'd rather be the person to introduce those topics to him or your daughter than some movie or some friend that's going to give him the version of, you know, hey, try this or this happened to me or whatever like that. I want to set the stage for what he can put on miracle over it, you know, and that this is a, is a part of life. So I think purity for boys comes through obviously the word. Um, Proverbs again has is, is just been an um, amazing book uh, to be able to describe the temptations that are out there but more than that um, preparing for adolescence is top of my list as far as that age goes how about for girls as far as what age do you have that talk Mitchell is 12 older 12 in there but it's, I think it's when you start seeing um, you're getting close to that you don't want something to happen physically that they're not prepared for you know, they wake up and they're scared or they're feeling really awkward and then they won't go to you because it's just something that they can't, they can't put in a place that's natural. So they're likely to keep that from you or at least be, feel insecure about it. So I'd rather have the talk before that happens. So anywhere, girls, I guess, are maturing a little bit earlier than that. But for our boys, it it was about there. Can you guys address for girls about what age you think would be?
2: I like how they're looking at me. (laughs) (laughs) I think that um, you have to start thinking about it around 10 with girls. It depends on, you know, uh, how they're developing. You can usually, you know, as a parent, but around 10 you have to start tuning in. Um, you definitely want to have that talk before someone else has it with them. Or, and, you don't, and like James said, you don't want them to be unprepared for, you know, the changes that are going to happen. And just in our society right now... Um, kids are talking about stuff and exposed to stuff at a younger and younger age. And as sad as that is, that's, you know, the culture and the times that we're raising our kids in. So um, I I know one thing that (laughs) I learned with Hannah, you know, first child gets to (laughs) be the guinea pig kind of, is you don't want to bring, you want to not have that subject come up all at once. You want to kind of ease into it, so maybe, like, at 10, you start kind of talking a little bit about it and then a little bit more, and then you got to go for the whole, you know, science, biology part of it, and then you got to... And then I I know... I'm planning on doing um, Passport to Purity um, with Hannah when she goes into high school. I've heard great things about it. You can actually, like, listen to it together, or you can go... There's a whole series that you can go through, and it talks about... Um, purity. So there's all these different stages. It's not like you just have this one talk and then it's over with. You know, you got to keep that dialogue going because there's, yeah, different aspects of it. So, which I think kind of segues into our next question, isn't it?
0: Yes, it does. What ages, if applicable, did you allow your children to begin dating and do you have any rules or guidelines for teenage dating? Big topic, realize. Thoughts?
3: I have a general principle. Thanks, Dave. Why don't you give it to Just you? to kick it off, re- very briefly. One is, when, when our kids were reaching that age, it was there were a couple of very popular books out that pointed out that the Bible doesn't uh, talk about dating and that the conclusion was is that therefore you shouldn't date. And it made it real simple, you know? Christians just don't date, you know? And I thought about that and realized that the Bible was actually written for a multitude of cultures over a multitude of centuries, and it has to work in all those cultures. And our culture is kind of way over the top on dating, and I think Christians realize that, and so they said, guys, this this can't be right, so we need to draw a boundary. But the first thing to understand is the Bible doesn't talk about it. It doesn't say you can't. It doesn't say you can. So I would just open it up with that, is that if you understand how our culture is... And I think it's very imbalanced about dating at at a young age and having boy-girl relationships that maybe you could um, find the happy medium for you in your place, in your town, in your school. I think it's very dependent on the stream of things, the stream that the kids are in, how fast they're moving. Our kids did not date. They They found their partners just naturally at the right age, and we didn't go through that. They just weren't inclined that way. And I don't know whether that's accidental or by design or just God's grace. They didn't have those heartbreaks. They didn't have the up and down. They didn't have those dangers.
6: I think that's what I found is super important is just instilling in your kids now, even like at that, you know, the age that my kids are, 11 and 14, of talking to them about why they don't need to jump into that and what could be the harms of getting in a relationship with someone too young and um, of, you know, just really being open about it so that it's not kind of this taboo subject or that they don't know what you think about it. Um, You know, I realize the reality is I met Brian when I was 15 years old, and I'm like, that's one year away for Brianna. Um, That's a little bit scary, but I... (laughs) (laughs) But I did not date him until after I had graduated from high school, and we had a group of friends that we spent time with, and that's really what we are encouraging Brianna, like, it's okay, I mean, mean, she's still in the place of where, like, she doesn't, you know, still the, you know, not quite sure what to do with myself, so that's good with me, Um, but really telling her, too. You can talk about anything. Don't be afraid to ask questions. You want to be the place that your kids will come to. And sometimes I'll even bring subjects up to her that might be a little bit awkward because I want her... I don't want to say you can talk to me about anything, but then it'd be uncomfortable. So I've made effort to try and talk about things or inquire about, you know, um, different people or different scenarios or what did you think about that? But definitely for us, I think we're you know pushing her to if you want to have guys as friends, that's one thing. But until you're closer to like the age of sixteen, there's not really a reason for you to be in a serious dating relationship. Um, And if you want to have friends as guys, that's you know that's definitely different than going out and pursuing a one-on-one relationship. And you know even now talking about physical boundaries and why you wouldn't want to do certain things and um, just being really open with them. And I think, too, she, as Brian talked about, if you guys heard him talking about the type of boy that we would encourage her to look for like you want to have somebody and we're thankful that she has a lot of godly examples of people that we can point to if you want someone who can lead you spiritually who's at a good place somebody who is going to be like your dad because you're going to have to feel comfortable bringing him home (laughs) if you're not comfortable bringing him home to hang out um in our home with us then you might want to stay away (laughs) that we had the um,
4: privilege of our daughter meeting this guy that he wasn't a Christian, and we at first panic, like, oh my gosh, you can't be dating a non-Christian. And um, she brought him home, and it turned out that what he saw in her was the Lord, and that's what attracted him, and that's what he wanted. And David actually got to disciple him, and... um, Somebody else led him to the Lord, but David went through a, a Bible study with him, and, you know, it's rare that you get to disciple your son-in-law, but, um, you know, you just can't put God in a box, we learned with, with that, so. That
0: worked. Mitchell's uh, allowed to date whomever he wants, whenever he wants. The condition is, I go with him. <laughs> So it's pretty easy at our house. Okay, next question. How do you deal with regulating television and or media? Oh, this is a big one. Computer, video games, etc. Also what are your views on them? And a related question is any suggestions on how to monitor iTunes and I guess like media besides the obvious blocking of explicit things. So that's a big question
3: let me lead it off about views, views on them. I think the big picture is that we've always considered what the world offers via the various media as sort of like a Trojan horse. Uh, You know, you know the story of the Trojan horse, right? The Greeks came to Troy and this horse, they bring it in, then they all climb out and conquer the city because they thought it was just a big horse. It wasn't full of armies. And I I just feel like when our kids were a little, turning on the TV was like letting something into your home that you just didn't want there. So we were very protective for many years of just limiting contact with, with stuff like that. And I'll let other people talk more about the other aspects, but I do want to share this, and it, it piggybacks on what Brian said, is that you can't insulate and isolate your child from the media culture that we live in. Information today is transmitted by images and movies and sound – it's not transmitted by books anymore, hardly. Uh, and so when we realized that in, let's say, the 90s when our kids were teenagers, we were homeschooling and we said, well, let's, let's engage them in this then. And so part of our curriculum was to have them watch movies, you know, the 10% that are actually serious movies that aren't just either really lame entertainment or completely, you know, atrocious but there are some really good movies out there, and generally the, re- the reasons we like them is because they have redemptive themes. And so we had them analyze and learn to critique film uh, in a way where they then could, uh, when they're watching something, they're, they're critical. They're, they're viewing it critically, getting the good things out of it, knowing how to discard the bad things. So that applies to a huge realm, uh, and that's you know film. And to be honest with you, the other stuff, we didn't really have to deal with that much. Our kids... Uh, never really were video game uh, addicted or anything, but I would just say that every kid's different, and some kids are going to have a bent to where they really like computers because that's their future, and that's fine. But if they're just doing random stuff, they'd probably be better off outside playing. That's my... I
2: was just going to add that there's, um, if you don't know, Focus on the Family has a website called pluggedinonline.com, and you can go on there, and they have... Uh, previewed some movies and they will tell you like exactly the bad words that are used. I mean, it's very, I don't know how they do it, but they, um, reverse engineer the movie and let you know all the content so that you're not, you know, we've all been there. We're like in the movie theater and we're like, you know, or a preview or something, you know, something. So, um, that's a good resource.
5: I make sure our kids know, first of all, that any media, you know, email, um, Brianna's on Facebook. Um, all all of it is a privilege, none of it's a right, it can be taken away, they know, we have full access to everything, we have their passwords, we can, at any time we want, we can look at their stuff, we can read their emails, we can know what's going on, um, so, um, it's an open book, we just kind of have this open book policy about everything, um, yeah, we they have to ask before they can go online and use a computer. And so we, we really just try to, to monitor it like that. We don't, again, our approach is not to insulate or isolate them from the world. Um, you know, I, I would almost say that in Christian doctrine, very fundamentalist. Fundamental as as fundamental it can be with the fun. We're fun. But... In culture, some would look at us and call us liberal. We're very, I mean, I I feel very liberal in terms of our perspective on embracing culture because I don't think culture is bad. I think the 80s and 90s, Christians sort of had this reaction against a lot of the evil in the culture and they pulled away from it. It says, you know, we're not gonna let our kids watch anything, listen to any music. So, you know, gonna create a Christian subculture of everything. Um, But I do talk to my kids about how important it is being aware of the Trojan horse. There, there is an influence there that is demonic. I don't want to play stupid with my kids and just cause them to think it's all great. Um, that, but there are things that are very dangerous and they just need to be aware of and help them to understand discernment through a gospel lens. So. Guys, we
0: have um, we've actually our time went so fast. I'm looking at the clock and we have to be dismissed here, but there are a few different questions that I think are worth addressing. Maybe we'll try and squeeze them in here and there in the last two nights of the week. Uh, Very good question you submitted, so if you didn't get yours answered, um, you can ask them after this as well, but uh, hopefully we'll get some more as we go in the next two nights. So unfortunately, that's an abrupt ending to the panel, but um, thank you guys for being a part of it. yeah and and they're more than willing to stay, and uh, if you have specific questions or elaborate, want them to elaborate then by all means, let 's pray, Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time. Thank you for the children and the students that have been growing this week as well, learning more about you and what it's like to have spiritual fuel empowering their lives. We pray for our children, we ask for you to bless them and bless us as parents that we might have the wisdom we need to raise them well, and that they might have the strength and wisdom to live well, to grow well, and to grow strong in you and in this life that you've given them. So we thank you for them. We thank you for this evening. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys.